Hallelujah. Well, let's give praise unto the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you and praise you and worship you. Enter into your gates with thanksgiving and praise and worship. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you. You are a good God. And you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you did, you're still doing these days. And we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Brother Jerry, thank you so much. Pastor Justin, thank you for this invitation. It is always a joy. It's always a joy to be here. And wow, has your worship kicked up since I was here last time. Wow. Wow. Listen, if you can't feel the presence of the Lord here, you're dead. Maybe that was your phone that was making that noise. (laughs) Praise God. Are you enjoying the summer heat? Are you just really enjoying August? It's scriptural, you know. The Bible says you'll have hot and cold. You'll have summer and winter. And in Oklahoma and Texas, we don't mess around. We get the real thing. You know, it's, it's supposed to be 107 in Tulsa today. So I, mean, I know it's even going to be hotter down here. But I got news, it's even hotter in here by the Spirit. Because this is a place of miracles. Place for miracles. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is your day for a miracle. Praise God. Well, the other day I had an encounter with the side of a door. I was carrying some iced tea glasses for my wife from our little prayer room to the kitchen. And uh, there was a carpet. I don't know who decided to put that carpet there. I shall not blame anyone. But I tripped at full speed. And I went, I was, I was hurrying and I, 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 was, I wasn't running. I was just going faster than normal. And I flew in the air and I hit the side of the door. And, uh, and then I had an encounter with the floor. <laughs> and I banged up my shoulder. I banged up my leg. I cut my hand. I, bro- I tried to save the glass. I broke it anyway. And, and knocked my head up against the door. And I looked around and I was alive. And uh, so if you see bandages on me, it's, it's not as bad as it looks. Okay. So that's the, anyway, I thought I should explain that. I saw somebody, what's that on his head? Well, it's a lot prettier than if I take it off. Praise God. Open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Brother Jerry mentioned to my wife, Lindsay, she's at home this morning. And since Lindsay was a little girl, she has had prophetic dreams and visions. And uh, after we got married, I I, I learned that about her. And and she has had tremendous dreams and visions from the Lord. And recently she's put a number of them on Facebook and on YouTube. She's had one prophetic dream that she had 600,000 views on. Very, very powerful. It's, it's unusual how God speaks to her in these dreams. Usually, in the dream, she's driving her car down a highway, and a billboards on the side of the road appear. And God gives her messages on the billboard. You know how you drive down the highway, and your attention is drawn to the billboard that you see. Well, that's what happens in her dreams. And she had one recently that literally transformed my life. And I want to share it with you this morning. And I want to adapt it to a scripture And something that happened when I was a little boy. So I'm giving you kind of a heads up. 
You know, they say a, a good person, a person who makes a good speech, the first of all, they tell you what they're going to say. Then they tell you, and then they tell you what they just said. That's a good speech maker. They tell you what they're going to say. Then they tell you, and then they tell you what they just said. Okay? And uh, I am in the third third of my life. They say that the first third of your life, you're learning. The second third of your life, you're doing. And the third third of your life, you're teaching what you have learned how to do. And I'm in the third third of my life. I'm teaching, teaching pastors all over the world. Since I saw you last, uh, I ministered to 15,000 pastors in Pakistan. And thousands in India, in Central America, and also even in Saudi Arabia. And uh, God is opening doors uh, to our ministry. You may remember I shared with you before when I was here that God told me my crusade days were over for younger men. And uh, I was to teach on healing the Holy Spirit and seed faith to pastors, especially pastors in areas that aren't reached, underdeveloped nations. And that's where I'm going. That's what I'm focusing in on. And I'm focusing in on television as well as about three months ago, we launched a new Internet network called the Healing Network. And uh, you can get it by going online to the App Store and just uh, typing in the Healing Network. It's free. And it's seven days a week, 24-hour-a-day healing, all healing all the time. And uh, we, we've gone back into the, into the files of my, my father's old uh, tent television programs. We have more than 300 of them, of those 30-minute black-and-white films. And we're, we're showing those, and we're showing great testimonies and conferences. And uh, wherever I preach, we put it on the air. And we're also doing live programming. My wife is doing programs on it. I'm doing a live program on Thursday mornings. A healing program, just just praying for the sick, uh, and and it's all online. Just just simply go uh, to uh, uh, the app store and download the healing network. But anyway, uh, I wanted to share a little bit with you this morning about what uh, what the Lord has been doing uh, with these dreams and visions through Lindsay. As I said, she sees she sees the billboards, and God speaks to her through the billboard. And recently, she had another dream, and. Uh, she shared it on our program and she shared it on Facebook and tens of thousands of people saw it. In the dream, she's driving down the highway and uh, the first billboard lighted up and it said, end time. And she kept driving and there was a second billboard that lighted up and it said, transfer. And then she saw a third billboard that lighted up. It said, wealth. End time, transfer, Wealth And light was not shining on the billboards. Light was coming from the billboards. Then she saw a fourth billboard, but it had no light. It was dark. And that billboard said, wicked. Well, she immediately knew the scripture that the end time transfer of wealth is laid up for the righteous. The wealth of the wicked is laid up. For the just, for the righteous. And she, she thought that's all that the dream was saying. However, the second billboard, which said wealth, or third, excuse me, third, bill, third billboard that said wealth changed. Suddenly, out of the W began to flow technology, wealth, healing, power, ideas, insights, 
concepts, new and innovative ways of doing things. It was spewing out of the W of the word wealth. And it was coming down to the ground. And she looked down next to the highway, and there were two groups of Christians that were standing on the ground underneath the billboard. One group of Christians had their hands out. The other group of Christians had their hands up. And the wealth and the riches and the healing and the technology and the insights and the ideas and the concepts were pouring out on those who had their hands up worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. It was not being poured out on those who had their hands out as if they were entitled. Trying to get something. It was pouring out on those who were worshiping the Lord. And when she shared that dream, it transformed my prayer life. The last couple of months, I haven't been the same. I've changed my prayer life. I've stopped making demands on God. Now, I tell him what my need is. Because the scripture says, let your petitions be known unto God. It's not that I can't tell God what the need is. But I'm not going to focus on the need. Okay? Abraham knew that he was 100 and his wife was 90. He, he glanced at the problem. But he gazed at the future. And many of us today focus on the problem. We don't focus on the answer. And what I got from that dream and that vision that she had was that I did not need to have my hands out. I needed to have my hands up in worship and praise. Because when the worship and praise goes up, the walls begin to come down. And that's what I felt this morning as we were worshiping and praising God. I mean, you, you've added, you got three times more people up there than you had before. They multiplied. It's a seed faith church. It's multiplied, you know. And you, you feel the presence of God and, and you, you could feel the multiplication going on. You feel the spirit. We had our hands up this morning. We didn't have our hands out. We had our hands up. And it has dramatically transformed my life in the last couple of months. Uh, the Lord has been uh, sending me to my prayer room about 8 o'clock at night for about 30 minutes to an hour. And then also I awaken usually around 4 o'clock in the morning. This morning it was, I think it was 4 or 4.30. And uh, go into my prayer room and, and, and just worship the Lord. Now, I talk about the things that I need. I don't deny that those needs exist. But that's not my focus. My focus is on worshiping Him. Look over in Matthew 15. Look at verse, I believe it's verse 25. Matthew 15, verse 25. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. This is one of the most powerful stories in the Bible. Jesus had been ministering. And a Syrophoenician woman, a Lebanese woman, born and raised in the area that we know today as Lebanon, 
the Phoenicians, the ancient Phoenicians are from the coasts of the Sea of, uh, of the uh, Mediterranean Sea. They're in an area that we know as Lebanon. And I understand Lebanese women because I am married to one. Uh, you notice I also have a slight black eye here. Because the door not only hit me in the head, but hit me in the nose, and I had a black eye. And someone said, well, did your wife hit you? And I said, Lindsay, what did, she, what did you say? She said, no, it couldn't have been me, because if I hit you, you wouldn't have one, you'd have both. <laughs> I think she was serious. <laughs> but I understand the mentality of Middle Eastern women. Because I am married to one. Now, her dad was full-blood Lebanese. Her mother was Scandinavian. But, uh, but uh, it didn't stick. <laughs> the, the Lebanese side stuck. And she got that look, you know. And can give that look. So, this woman, this Syrophoenician woman, comes to the disciples with her need. She has a daughter who is demon-possessed. Now, who in their right mind would not want to get to Jesus with a demon-possessed daughter? No one is against healing when they're sick. Your theology will change. I promise you. She came to the disciples and they didn't like her. They didn't like her attitude. They didn't like what she said. They didn't like anything about her. And they tried to turn her away. And finally, when they were unsuccessful with the tenacity of this woman, they turned to Jesus and said to him, would you please send her away? Because she's crying and she's whining and she's griping and she's causing a, a stir among the people and she's causing a problem. Would you send her away? And there she stood in front of Jesus and he refused to talk to her. Now, that was an unusual thing. Jesus usually talked to people. He would ask a question, do you want to be made whole? Or wilt thou be made whole? Or what do you want me to do for you? He usually said something or he asked a question of people. But he didn't say anything. And she told him what the need was. And he said, I am not sent to you. Now, in our world today, that could very well be considered a racial slur. She was not a Jew. She was not one of the, quote, chosen and it seemed like he was slamming her not only as a woman but sla slamming her ethnicity and slamming where she's from from what side of the tracks from what side of the town she was from it seemed as she was as she was being slammed but the bible says she didn't get angry she didn't get mad at god like many christians do today instead she got down and she worshipped him. She worshipped him. And then Jesus seemed to add insult to injury. He said it's not right to take healing. To take the children's bread. Which the King James Version says. Children's bread was a Middle Eastern idiom for healing. It's not right to take healing. Which is the children's bread. And cast it. Before dogs. Now he wasn't calling her a dog. 
He was referring to the animalistic way in which her people lived. They were nomadic people. The Syrophoenicians were nomadic people. They lived in tents and very, very un, it's unusual for them to spend the night in the same place two nights in a row. They were, they were nomadic. They, 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 they went all over the place and they worshiped gods made out of brass, gods made out of stone, gods made out of wood. They worshiped demonic spirits. And Jesus knew that. And he said, it's not right to take healing and cast it for someone who lives like you, like a wild animal. Once again, she did not get angry. She did not shake her fist at God. She did not say, I, I knew I couldn't depend on you. I knew what I heard last week in church wasn't true. I knew. She didn't do that. She said, you know, you're right. You're right. Everything you say about me is true. But even the little dogs in Israel get to eat the scraps from the master's table. There was a custom in Israel in those days. The Jewish families had at least one or sometimes several little dogs. And they held them in their arms as they ate their meals and they would feed the scraps to the little dog. And she knew that. She had done her research. She had gone online and she had seen <laughs> what the Israelites did. She said, you're right, everything you're saying is true. But even the little dogs in Israel get to eat the scraps from the table. She was saying, all you need to do is give me just a crumb. Give me just a crumb. That's all I need. That's all I need to believe. That's all I need to release my faith and to believe God for a miracle. When I was a boy, I went with my dad on one of his crusades. Of course, I went on many of them. And one particular night, there was an African-American woman who brought her little boy to the platform for prayer. He was about my age. He was on metal crutches. I'll never forget it. And Brother Deweese... Brother Jerry, you remember Brother Deweese. Brother Deweese was my longtime, my, my dad's longtime associate evangelist. Handed my dad the prayer card. Now, in order to get into the prayer line for my, my dad to lay hands on you, you had to have a prayer card. And in order to get a prayer card, you had to come to the afternoon service. Where Brother Deweese did the preaching and the preparing for the evening service. And sometimes he had three, four, five thousand people in an afternoon service in the tent getting prepared for the night. That's the only way you could get a prayer card. And the prayer cards were lettered. Letter A, B, C, D, so on and so forth. And they would call those letters out and have people come and stand in the prayer line. That's how it, it was a it was a masterful organizational job. And this woman handed the prayer card to, to Brother DeWeese. And Brother DeWeese looked at it, handed it to my father. My father looked at it. And the card said that her son had been born without a hip socket on one side. Now, I'm not, I don't mean it was deteriorated. I mean, he didn't have one. And his hip was all sunken in like this. And he had to have metal crutches to walk. I'll never forget my father looked at her with about 10,000 people watching and said to her, ma'am, I am so sorry. I just don't have faith for a creative miracle. This healing is going to have to wait until the resurrection. And there was a moment there. That woman spoke up 
And said, Brother Roberts, I don't ask you to have any faith at all. Come on. You just pray and I will do the believing. Well, my father was as shocked as some of you are right now. He laid his hands on the little boy and he prayed. And they left in what appeared to be the same condition as when they came. And I remember my dad just sitting there shaking his head. But the next night, when we got to the tent, Brother DeWeese had the mother and the little boy up on the platform. And the little boy didn't have his crutches. And he was running. And he was jumping. And the crowd was rejoicing like we were a few moments ago. And my dad, completely stunned, came up on the platform and put his hand in the place where he had touched the night before. And in the night, God had created a hip socket. Well, there was a healing service that night. When the service was over and we got out to the car, as my dad would later tell me, because I was just about this high. The Lord spoke to him and said, I healed him all right, but you're not going to get any credit. Mm. Wow. Forever changed his thought life that there's nothing too hard for God. What you're going through right now, what you're experiencing in your life, what you're experiencing in your marriage, in your family, in your job, in your business, in your ministry, what you're experiencing, what, what's going on in you right now is not impossible. It's not too hard for God. Now, the devil may be saying it's impossible. Co-workers, family members, others may be saying, you can just write it down and forget it. It's over. It's not over. Yogi Berra said it's not over till it's over. And it's not over yet. No matter what you're going through, if it's financial, if it's physical, if it's emotional, no matter what it is, it's not over. There's nothing too hard for God. He can handle it. All you need is a crumb. That's all you need is a crumb. And somebody to give you that crumb to help you. Well, that's why I'm here this morning. I've got some crumbs. (laughs) Master, even the little dogs in Israel get to eat the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus looked at her and said, woman, great is your faith. Only twice in the Bible. Does Jesus use the words great faith? Once to this woman and the other time to a Roman army captain who came in behalf of his military aide who was some miles up the seacoast at the Roman barracks. Only twice did Jesus say great is your faith. One to a Roman army captain and one to the Syrophoenician woman. Neither one were members of the church. There's no evidence that they were even Christians or believed in God. They say, 
Well, you have to be a Christian to expect to experience a miracle. Well, I found that not to be true. They asked the blind man in the Bible, who healed you? He said, I don't know, but I want to know. He didn't know. I want to know. Many times in my life and crusades all around the world, many people have come and, and received healing and then they come forward and give their hearts to Christ. Because healing is like a dinner bell. It's like you turn on a, a light in your backyard. You attract every bug in the neighborhood. You attract every mosquito, every fly. You just turn on a light in the back. That's all you need. You don't have to have a big sound system. You just turn on a light and they'll come flying. Well, healing is the dinner bell. Now, can you imagine what must have happened? You know, the Bible, especially the New Testament, is a synopsis of what happened. You have to read between the lines. You have to know that there was much more that went on. In fact, the writer said that, that you, if, you, if you took all the books that had ever been written, you couldn't contain what Jesus did and said. You have to read between the lines. So much more was going on. Can you imagine what must have happened that day after people saw him because he turned and prayed for that little child and she was healed of the demonic position? You can imagine what must have gone on the rest of that time as he prayed. All you need is a crumb. Just a crumb. Well, your faith is that crumb. Now, many people that I pray for uh, expect God to do it all. They want it sovereign. And they sit there ex- just waiting, not expecting, but waiting. I hate waiting rooms, don't you? I hate to sit in a waiting room because all you do is wait. You just sit there and wait. And there's usually a crowd in front of you and you got to wait on them. You wait, you wait, you wait, you wait. I don't like lines either. (laughs) Heard the story about the man who died and went to heaven. He stood there in a long line in front of the gate. Finally got tired of waiting. And he said uh, to the man in front of him, what's this line for? He said, I don't. He said, uh, uh, it's for henpecked husbands. (laughs) Well, he didn't like that much. So he looked down the wall and he saw another line and it wasn't as long. So he walked down there and stood in that line for a while. He got tired of waiting in that line and said to the man in front of him, what's this line for? He said, I don't know. My wife just told me to stand here. (laughs) I don't like to wait. We live in a no wait society. When you go through a drive through, you want your coffee hot. You want it right now. You don't want them to say, give me 10 minutes and we'll make this for you. You want it hot. You want your burger hot. You want your fries extra hot. When you go online, you want the internet to connect instantaneously. You don't want to wait. You get disgusted if, 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 if it just sits there and spins. That's the waiting room. Nobody wants to wait. But the Bible says they that wait upon the Lord. Those who will have some supernatural patience and understand that God is on the scene, that he hadn't forgotten about you, that he knows who you are, he knows where you live, he knows what you're going through, and everybody is going through something. Everybody. You've either just come out of something, or you're in something, or you're about to go through something. Because the devil is just as faithful as Jesus is. 
He's come but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. His whole purpose is to take you out. And life is a true adventure of, of, of resisting the devil and commanded him to flee and taking hold of the, of the bar border of Jesus' garment and, and saying, Lord, 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 Lord. But what I have learned in these past few weeks since she had that vision and that, and that prophetic word that God gave her in the dream is how to just worship him. And I tell him what I need, but I don't focus on it any longer. The Bible says she worshipped him and she said, Lord, help me. She had to tell him, but she didn't focus on it. She focused on her worship. And I've noticed some things in my life and in my family and in my ministry have begun to change. Some things that seemed like were log jammed have started to come loose. I could, uh, I could illustrate, but I'm not going to because you have things like that in your life too. Amen. I'm not going to sit up here and talk to you about things that I'm facing in the ministry or things that I'm facing in my life and in my family. No, 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 that's not my, that's not my point. Right. But I'm seeing some log jams begin to break. You say, well, they might have broken anyway. Well, they hadn't. They hadn't. But since I started worshiping and took my focus off of my need... And focused on him. The log jam has begun to break. And the good news is. He is no respecter of persons. If he will do that for me. Me. He will do that for you. Because he is the same. Yesterday. Today and forever. And he does not play favorites. I'm just as important as you. And you're just as important as me. We are his children. When my children were little, my girls would come and sit on my lap. And they would look at me and say, Daddy, I don't have any money. Before I knew it, I had my hand in my back pocket. And I was just... They didn't beg me. Just, Daddy, I don't have any money. And I give them $20 and they go to McDonald's and there's never any change. <laughs> you spend it all? Yeah, every penny. You know, and, and we parents, we believe things like that. But they just said, Daddy, I love you and I don't have any money. That's a picture of us with God. Yeah. But they would put their arms around me and kiss me on my cheek and, Daddy, I love you. I don't have any money. <laughs> you think God doesn't understand? You think he's not like that? God, I love you. I need this. God, I, I just worship you. Now I worship you. I've told you what the problem is. Now I'm just going to worship you. It's in your hands. It's not under my control. It's in your hands. Now, your mind will tell you it's just not possible. Your mind will say, no, you've you, you got to do more. You've got to add more to the equation. There's more, there's more to the equation. You, 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 you've, you've got to press. You've got to beg. Uh, you, you've, you've got to crawl. You, you've, got to, you've got to roll under the piano for 30 minutes. You, you, you. 
She didn't do that. She just worshipped him. No matter what he said, she just worshipped him. And the bottom line is, that demonic spirit was driven out of her young daughter. And he's the same with us. He hasn't changed. What he did that day with that woman, he can do for you today. Because he's a good God. How many times did I hear Earl Roberts say, God is a good God. How many times did I hear him say, God is a good God. And, and uh, he, he sent his son to show us what he's like. How many times did I hear him say, Jesus came to take off you what the devil put on. To take out of you what the devil put in. To put back on you what the devil took off. And to put back in you what the devil took out. How many times did I hear that phrase? How many times did I hear him say, expect a miracle? All of my life, all those growing up years, I heard that God is a good God. And I said to him, why do you preach so long? Why do you preach an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours? I said, Daddy, you wear my rear end out. And then he would pray for the sick for a couple of hours. He said, well, son, in the times we're living, people don't have much faith. And I'm trying to build their faith to believe God. Because they've been taught everything against God. They've been taught that God is a God of punishment. He's a God of vengeance. He's a God who doesn't care, who's turned his back and shaking a fist at his own creation. He said, I'm instilling faith in people's hearts so that when I lay my hands on them and pray... God can work a miracle. They'll get their attitude changed. Well, it's not that much different today than it was then. Because people are people. And there may be some of you here today, you're just, you're hurting on the inside. No one knows what the problem is. Or maybe it's something physical and no one knows what it is. You know, I got this huge bruise about this big on my shoulder but you'll never know it because I'm not going to take my shirt off. Okay? But it's there. And some of you have other kinds of scars. Scars on the inside. And some of you have been attacked physically this week or last week or you've gotten a a medical report that's not positive. Or something's gone haywire in your family or or in a relationship or something's happening in a job. The business is downsizing or or you've you've lost uh, some position or you didn't get a promotion or, or something else went haywire. Because the devil is also faithful to come against you. And that's why it is so critical that you come here. Because this is not a parking lot. This is a filling station. This is where you come to get filled. So you can go out there and be the person that God has called you to be. She said, just a crumb, that's all I need. And Jesus handed her a crumb. Healed her daughter. I'm so grateful that through what my wife saw in the spirit, that it's changed my life. It's changed my prayer life. And I'm praying that you have the same experience that I've had over the past couple of months. I'm not asking or begging God any longer. I'm just worshiping him and thanking him for the miracle that he is in process of doing. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Halleluj
Father, right now, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by begging. But it's by the Spirit of God that I pray this prayer. Satan, you have no right and you have no authority. Jesus stripped your authority when he took the stripes on his back for our healing. And when he shed his blood for the remission of sin. You have no right. The only right you have is the right that we give you. And we withdraw that right. You have no right and you have no authority. So we have been given authority through Jesus' name. Father, you gave us that right. Jesus said, just before he went to the cross, that we should use his name. Because God has given him a name which is above every name, named in heaven and earth. And Father, right now, I take authority and use the name of Jesus. And I command Satan to take his hands off. To take his hands off of you. I rebuke every sickness. I rebuke every disease. I rebuke every fear. I rebuke every doubt. And in the authority of Jesus' name, I command Satan to take his hands off. And by the word of God, I send his word to you now. According to Psalm 107 verse 20, which says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I send the word of God to you. Now, who needs physical healing today? If you do, stand up on your feet if you can. If you need healing in some area of your body. Father, right now, I come against pain. Some of you are in pain today. In the authority of Jesus' name, I come against pain. Now, there's, there's pain that's been shooting down someone's leg, and you're being healed right now. Even as you stood, the pain was shooting down your leg, but now just suddenly the pain is stopping. And if you move your leg, you're going to find the pain is leaving your leg right now. In the authority of Jesus' name, I come against every pain. Pain in the head, pain in the shoulders, pain in the neck, pain in the back. Pain in the, in, the, in the waist, in the hips, pain in the shoulders, pain in the elbows, in the fingers, pain in the knees, pain in the feet, and the ankles, and the toes. I rebuke every pain. I rebuke every trace of arthritis or bursitis. I rebuke osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. I come against the stiffness and the swelling. Come out! Come out! And I say, come out! In Jesus' name. Now there goes pain. Pain is leaving now. Pain is leaving hands. Pain is leaving feet. Pain is leaving knees. Pain is leaving shoulders. How do I know? I know. Believe me, I know. I know when pain is leaving because the Holy Spirit tells me when pain is leaving and pain is leaving people now. Many of you, you're going to find healings happening right now. 
Now, in the authority of Jesus' name, I come against any type of blood pressure or blood sugar problem or any hypertension. Blood pressure, I speak to you in the authority of Jesus' name. Go back into the normal range. If it's too high, come down. If it's too low, come up. Blood pressure, be healed. Hypertension from the stress, be healed. Stress, get out of here. Blood sugar, regulate in Jesus' name. Sugar that's too high, come down. Sugar that's too low, come up. Regulate. Pressure and sugar, regulate now. Pancreas, do your job. Kidneys, function normally. Liver, do your work. Every heart, beat normally. Heart muscle, become the proper size. Enlargement of heart, just shrink down to the normal size. I rebuke the, the skipping of beats, the erratic heartbeat, the arrhythmia. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I command it to... I commanded to change and for the arrhythmia to be healed in Jesus' name. Eyes, 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 glaucoma, cataract, blurred vision in the authority of Jesus' name. Vision, clear vision, clear vision, clear vision. Cataract, dissolve right now. Glaucoma, pressure, pressure, come down normally, come down into the normal range. In Jesus' name. Dry eyes, spots, be healed. In Jesus' name. Optic nerve, eyeball, iris, pupil, cornea, be healed. In Jesus' name. Loss of hearing, your station tube, eardrum, balance, open up. Be healed in your hearing. Pop it in Jesus' name. Right now. All, all of that, all that discomfort. All the discomfort. I take authority over discomfort. In Jesus' name. Uh, Yes, I'll do that, Lord. And the lack of sleep. I come against insomnia. Jesus said, your sleep shall be sweet. I claim that and pray that over you. Now I'm handing you a crumb right now in Jesus' name. Use your faith and believe that tonight you're going to sleep. Not just sleep, but rest in order to do and and function normally and properly. Many people are are carrying around insomnia every day and they're they're absolutely exhausted. They wake up in the morning, they're already exhausted and they haven't even put in a day's work yet. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. The Bible says your sleep shall be sweet. And that means rest as well. I pray over every organ in your body. I come against cancer, against every mass, against every tumor, against every growth. In the name of Jesus, myeloma, melanoma, tumor, mass, growth, come out, dissolve, and disappear. In Jesus' mighty name. My, there's an anointing for healing here this morning. Praise you, Father. Thank you. 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 The scripture says you shall not be polluted in your own blood. I rebuke the attack against your blood. Every red cell, every white cell be in perfect order.
And I take authority over every outlaw cell that would try to disrupt your blood flow. I rebuke every cancer agent and pray healing. Every mass, every tumor, every growth, any type of cancer, bone cancer, breast cancer, cancer in the brain, any, any, anything like that. I take authority over it. That's not of God. That's not God trying to teach you a lesson. That's Satan. And I rebuke him and his grip. Now lift your hands and begin to thank him and praise him. Begin to worship him. Father, we worship you. Your word says we worship you now in spirit and in truth. And we focus in now. We focus in on worshiping you. Lord, we've presented the problem. We've talked about it. We've commanded to go. Now we just worship you. Just like that woman did in Matthew 15. We worship you. And as we worship you, we receive your healing touch. Thank you, Father. You're turning the faucet of healing on. And the stream is beginning to flow. And it's touching each one of us today. It's being poured out upon our heads just like out of the W. That's coming down to us. The technology, the ideas, the insights, the concepts, the wealth, the miracles. All that, the riches that's coming, it's pouring out because we're worshiping you. Our hands are not outstretched as if we're entitled to receive. Our hands are uplifted. We're worshiping you. Hallelujah. Lift your voice in the spirit. Lift your voice. Pray in the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. We worship you today. We worship you. For there is none like you. Hallelujah. There is none like you. Praise you, Father. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, worship. Makosita kasamra kasoyasa, shina kasiata kasumra kasam. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Well, who can tell? There's healing in process. Lift your hand right now. Lift your hand high if you can tell there's healing. Look at that. Look at the hands. Look at the hands. That's God. That's that W opening up. That's Him pouring it out. Just receive. I'll tell you flatly. And I'm, I'm the kind of person uh, that, uh, you know, I've been on television so much. I, I, I just tell everything that happens. I tell the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, because people are going through it too. Yeah. You know? And we're not immune. I mean, Paul was not immune to it. You know, Paul was shipwrecked, snake bitten, had to swim for his life. 
Beaten, left for dead. I mean, he went through things. He probably hit his head on the door, too. I just didn't. <laughs> Axe didn't say so, but chances are he hit his head, you know, at some time. Or they hit his head. So, you know, I, I, I tell it all. I tell what happens because it's real life. And you can identify with someone who's been through something. You know? When someone says, well, I know how you feel. Well, you haven't felt what I felt. You have no idea what I'm feeling, you know. I don't. But when you hear, you hear from somebody who's been through it. And survived. And is thriving. Then you listen. Okay? So that's, that's why I, I just share everything. And I've, I've, uh, I've learned that over the years. And I, I've learned how to, to, to talk to a television camera and make it a human being. My dad said, don't ever, when you go on television, I, I've done 20,000 television programs in my life. And my dad said, don't, don't ever preach to a camera. He said, picture a woman in her bathrobe. She's sitting there on the couch. She's worried about her husband. She's worried about her children. She's got this bill in her hand. Talk to her. He said, picture a guy. He's got on white socks. Sitting in his bathrobe in the recliner. He's got an ulcer. He's afraid he's going to lose his job. Preach to him. He said, if you touch them, you're going to touch everybody. He taught me that. And he used to, but Jerry, he used to take photographs of people that were hurting. And he would tape it to the bottom of the camera to remind him who he was ministering to. And I learned secrets like that through the years of how to reach out to people where they are. Because everybody is hurting in some way. Everyone has a need. But as we worship him, you just watch those needs begin to melt. Now just lift your hands one more time and give him praise. Give him honor. Give him glory. Pastor, praise your father. Praise your father. A lot of healing here today, Brother Jerry. Brother Justin, you'll be hearing about a lot of miracles.